There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Como Sports End Zone. Welcome to the Como Sports End Zone podcast with Como Sports Director Nico Tamurian and Najee Moye. How's it going, everybody? I'm Nico Tamurian alongside Najee Moye. Najee, how you doing, man? Nico, another day, another week, another another time where we're just happy to be here. How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. And I'm going to cut right to the chase here. I'm in a fantastic mood. Because, first of all, we've got Hawks and Commanders, Lumen Field, 125 Sunday. You know, the Seahawks are still technically tied for first place in the NFC West. I say technically because the Niners would have the tiebreaker. But one of my all-time best buddies, I love this guy. He's joining us. He's the sports director at WJLA in D.C., covering the Commanders every step of the way. Uh, He knows Ron Rivera, the head coach, very well. Let's bring him up. Scott Abraham. One of my favorite people out there. Scott, how you doing, man? What's up, Scott? What's up, guys? Nico, we go way back. Central New York buddies. You got you to gotta preface that. We do, yes. And Scott and I both grew up in upstate New York, and yep. you're a Utica guy, right? Yep, Utica and you're Syracuse, and we kind of crossed paths when I was in Syracuse, so uh, we go way back. So it's always, and, uh, and always great these- to uh, be with you. Oh my God. It's always great to be with you. And and certainly one of my closest friends in this business all the years back and even beyond the business. And you know, I love you. So um, yeah, I just want to, I mean, it's a, it's a cool opportunity that we get the Seattle and DC connection here. Um, I just want to talk with you first and foremost about this commander scene, because you know them better than most. And especially most uh, out here in the Pacific Northwest from a distance, I see a team that's you know, looked really nice at times and then also not so nice at times and has made some interesting trades along the way. Before we get into anything specific, just what what can you tell us? What is the story so far anyway of the 2023 Commanders? Yeah, a little uh, Jekyll and Hyde to the Washington Commanders. You know, sometimes they look great, sometimes uh, not so great. As you mentioned, they have a really a promising young quarterback in Sam Howell, uh, who's really made some serious strides this season. Uh, he became the starter this year and, you know, it's a roller coaster for a second year pro, but, uh, he passes the eye test. And I think for Washington and their fan base, they can hold on to the fact that probably Sam Howell is the closest thing they have to a franchise type quarterback in a number of years. So that's the positive there. Then the other side at the trade deadline last week, they traded two of their best defensive players, one of the faces of the franchise, or was supposed to be a face of the franchise, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Chase Young was a little bit of a surprise hometown guy, supposed to be that storybook type ending where he helps lead his local team back to prominence. It didn't work out. They shipped him to San Francisco, maybe a little bit of a shock to that locker room. And then, of course, Montez Sweat went to the Bears and they just signed a massive contract extension. So a lot of young players having to fill in some pretty big roles on defense. And they're feeling pretty good because 
even with that, they're only a game out of the NFC wildcard picture right now. Seattle is a team they're chasing. And kind of our storyline this week was to have a vision, to have a path, to maybe get to the playoffs. They got to somehow go out to the Pacific Northwest and beat Seattle. Because if they beat Seattle, the whole narrative and the whole kind of demeanor changes because they'll get to the 500 mark with the Giants coming up on deck. So this is a huge swing game for Washington because I feel like if they can beat Seattle, watch out. If they lose, they're probably going to make the pl- miss the playoffs, in my opinion. Well, Scott, you you just brought up the Giants. We just met. Hi, by the way. Um, I'm a huge Giants fan. Um, okay. I want to ask you, you brought up uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young. You know, the defensive line for the commanders will look a lot different going forward. I mean, what, what should the Hawks prepare for if they don't have, you know, Sweat or Young to chase after Geno? So you got to watch out for the two guys inside, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Uh, those guys are from Alabama. They've known each other for a number of years, did their thing in Bama, and now they're doing their thing together um, with Washington. And they're both signed long-term, so they're really big foundational pieces for the defense. They can clog up the middle, stop the run, get to the quarterback. Now on the edge, filling in Chase Young and Montez Sweat are two young players. Uh, One is Casey Tuhill, and the other is James Smith-Williams. Uh, guys that are going to get their opportunity to try to prove that they belong uh, in the National Football League. You didn't really notice a big drop-off against the New England Patriots last week. Patriots offense, not like Seattle, in my opinion, and I think Seattle is going to be very focused and determined, especially offensively, after getting molly in Baltimore. So I think if there's going to be any sort of drop-off or deficiency losing a Chase Young or a Montez Sweat, it's going to show up against the Seahawks on Sunday. I, Molly Womp is one of my favorite words of all time. I was going to say, I love that <laughs> I word, love that Scott. word. It's a $10 word right there. I love Molly it. You, and, yeah. and Scott, you, you bring up a great point in Baltimore. Obviously, you're just a stone's throw from there as well. Yep. Um, that was just a wild game from a standpoint of that was just not the Seahawks we'd seen. I mean, they don't get blown out. They just, It was the second worst loss by margin of victory in Pete Carroll's entire you know, 13 yep. years in Seattle. So it was just crazy. Um, curious how much you saw that and was, is that give you, as you watch that game, maybe in preparation for the, seeing the Hawks play the commanders this week, does that give you any indication of what we might see? Not saying the commanders are going to do that or anything like that, but from a standpoint of the Seahawks suddenly have a bit of a turnover bug and is there an opportunity for the commanders to maybe take advantage of that? Uh, I did not see a single play from the Seattle Baltimore game, just to be completely honest. But uh, I did see the Ravens kind of ran wild on them um, in terms of running the football. And I think that's going to be a point of emphasis for Washington in terms of getting Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson involved, getting the kind of the pressure off Sam Howell because he's going into a hostile environment. We talked about it in the locker room the other day about the 12th man, uh, the noise, the volume. And they're already preparing for this because they know it could be a lot to take in for a young quarterback. I am concerned about the big bodied receiver in a DK Metcalf. So Washington has a very young quarterback, a rookie, rookie cornerback named Emmanuel Forbes. And he has been eaten alive by another big bodied receiver named AJ Brown twice. They played the Eagles and he was just absolutely manhandled. So if I'm Seattle, I am going to try to find that matchup every single time. DK Metcalf, big bodied up against an Emmanuel Forbes, rookie cornerback, very lean and slender. Uh, that's that's a concern I have. Uh, in terms of 
uh, how Seattle should attack offensively. I think Washington is very susceptible through the air. And I think Geno Smith, who didn't have a relatively great game against Baltimore, a little bit of the turnover bug, as you mentioned, take care of the football, push the ball downfield, take your shots against a Washington secondary. Uh, that's been spotty at times. So uh, I just think this is a bad spot for Washington because of the fact that Seattle just got absolutely destroyed uh, against Baltimore. So um, Washington's had their issues defensively this year, and uh, I'm a little concerned about the matchup uh, against the Seahawks offense. You just made a lot of Seattle Seahawks fantasy owners of DK Metcalf and maybe even Tyler Lock and Geno Smith very happy just now. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that this could be a game that the commanders really need to win to push themselves to 500. You also mentioned them trading away two pretty big pieces to the defense. Is this a game that, I don't, I don't know, is this maybe like a save the commander season type game? I think it's a turning point game. I think I, I would call it like a, like a swing game because um, – the, the narrative changes because you have the Giants coming up next if you're a Washington fan, and that's that's the game you should win if you have a Tommy DeVito go Syracuse uh, as the quarterback uh, for, the, for, the, for the New York Giants. Seattle is just that swing game. They're a team they're chasing in the wild card standings. Washington is four and five, and if they somehow can go out to the Pacific Northwest and pick up back-to-back road wins, win at New England, then win at Seattle – that could change the whole narrative of their season because they could be six and five beat Seattle, beat the giants. Then you got Dallas on Thanksgiving day and uh, anything can happen in a rivalry game, one game at a time, but they know they understand this is a big game. If they have any hopes of making the playoffs. So I think Washington's going to come with a very good effort, but I also think Seattle's going to be a little extra hungry because of that performance against Baltimore. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Scott. And I really, I think the same thing goes for Seattle as well. This is a swing game because you don't want one loss to turn into two. And this is a team, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, that has the same record as the Niners atop the NFC West. But if you lose, okay, now you're talking about a couple losses in a row and you're five and four. But if you win, a big difference. I know it's one game, but there's a big difference between six and three and five and four. Right. And then the psyche of, okay, you lost 37-3, then you lost at home in a game. The one thing that concerns me, and this is just uh, – me kind of voicing off the top of my head here is that yes, even before the Baltimore game, the Hawks won their last two games. They beat the Browns, they beat the Cardinals, but they were games where, you know, they beat Arizona, you know, 2010, they beat the Browns 24, 20. They were games that were super close because they've been turning the ball over. And to Geno Smith's point, he, in the first four games had one interception in the last four, he's had six. And that's what, he was so good last year when he was a pro bowler, when he was protecting the football and he wasn't turning it over. Pete Carroll doesn't need him to be bombing the ball over the field. Like Russell Wilson was at points in his yeah. career. He just needs him to find his guys, move the ball, let the running game do its thing. And that hasn't happened. So I feel like if you lose this one, if, if the turnovers rear their ugly head again, if the running game for the Seahawks can't get going, or if the commander's running game runs wild, like the Ravens did, uh, from the Seahawks perspective, you're talking about a, a case where, okay, we've gone from slightly concerned and nervous to maybe even panicked at this point. So I wanted to piggyback on that because I really think it resonated me, with me, all the stuff you were saying about the commanders, this being a swing game, because kind of in the other way where, okay, if you, if the Seahawks win this game, things are okay. Things are on the path that fans have thought they were for the last maybe month or two. But who, if does, you lose, uh, who, who does Seattle have after Washington? Yeah, you've got here, – Here's the thing about that. 
So after you've got the commanders, you've got, you're playing at the Rams who beat you in week one. And then you've got the Niners here in town on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the Cowboys next, the following Thursday. Then the Niners come back here and then it's the Eagles. So you've got so the, these are stretch. so if you're looking at the schedule they 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 got to beat Washington and the Rams because that's a tough gauntlet of no San Francisco Cowboys then San Francisco again yeah you're talking Rams Niners Cowboys Niners Eagles in the next five after the Commanders game wow yeah so you, they they got to get fat and happy against Washington and the Rams because that gauntlet after the Rams game. That's tough. So I think this could be a really good spot for a get-right game for Seattle. And that's the point I'm making. If you lose this game, um, you know, you anything can happen. It's the NFL. We get all the cliches. But, man, is your reaction set at all to that stretch? I mean, that is a brutal stretch of games. And, and so that's what makes this game even more important. Yes, it, the win is huge. But if you lose, you, you can almost see things you don't want it to happen from here. And, and I think – I out. think – I think probably, I think probably the pressure is going to be more on Seattle um, because Washington, in a sense, is kind of playing with house money. They traded away; they were sellers, right? They were sellers at the trade deadline, so they may go in there with a little mentality of we have really nothing to lose. Not a lot of people expect us to be in the playoff mix. Seattle may have a little sense of urgency because they got destroyed by Baltimore, and they know what the schedule is like down the pike. So I think the pressure and if it's a tight game and turnovers become a factor, Washington could have a really good chance of knocking you off because um, just the sense of urgency from Seattle, knowing they have to probably get this win as well. Scott, do you see a close game? I mean, we kind of do a, a bit of a score prediction here. I mean, do we know? Do we know the spread? What's the spread? Is it six and a half, seven? Six and, half. six and a half. What do you, what are you thinking here? Six Not that we can go betting on this. Part. I would if, I, if I, I was I, a, if I was a betting man, maybe I, sometimes sometimes I might bet on the Kraken. Nico knows that. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> um, I would probably lay the six and a half. So I think Seattle would cover. Um, I think they could. I think Seattle would win by a touchdown uh, if I were, you know, to bet this game. I think Seattle wins. I don't think they cover, though. I've seen them no? play some teams way too tight. I, I Listen, I'm not telling you not to bet them <laughs> in yeah. your uh, you know, um, local sports book. We don't have mobile betting in Washington. I don't know how it is in you're miss, You're missing out. I, I've been told. Well, you can go to the many of the sports books. I, I just send you my Kraken bet slips. That's all I do now. I just said, hey, go Kraken. <laughs> we enjoy that. I enjoy that. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, we have to go to Snoqualmie or some of the sports books nearby. Um, yeah. yeah, I've seen this Seahawks team. They seem to grind it out and get the wins. Like I mentioned, they, you know, against the Browns, they won 24 20. That was getting an, they were down 2017, less than two minutes to go by a PJ Walker led team. And uh, they got a timely interception on a batted pass and scored with, you know, about a minute to go or 38 seconds to go to win that game. The week before, you know, they beat Arizona by 10. It should have been a lot more. My point in that saying all that again is that they've been playing teams really tight, even when it shouldn't have been tight. So that's why I think they're going to win. But, I don't think they cover six and a half. I mean, what's, I think the, uh, what's the Seattle defense like? I don't know too much about 
the Hawks I defense. Got, well, we got two. We got a bunch of great cornerbacks. We got Spoon Witherspoon, who's yeah. a rookie, who's awesome, very very good. Tweak Willen. The, but the thing is, I mean, Jahad Dotson, you know, scary uh, scary Terry on on, yep. on you guys' side. You know, that's the matchup that I want to see. Definitely, Sam Howell. I've been watching Sam Howell since he was at UNC, and I'm like, he can sling it. He, he's a gunslinger. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if so, you saw that touchdown pass he threw to Jahan Dotson in the New England game, but it was it was just a yeah. teardrop drop in the bucket, deep bomb. Uh, it was beautiful. So, um, you know, it, it was supposed to be a reunion game for Cody Barton. He's on injured reserve. Uh, right. He was, you know, he's Washington. He was one of Washington's big free agent pickups, um, but he he won't be playing uh, in his kind of reunion game. I always remember Cody Barton was my live guest after they beat Russell Wilson and the Broncos in week one. That was a oh, fun wow. time. Yeah. yeah. I will say, Scott, I'll add, I'm really bullish on this defense. I think they're only going to get better as the year goes on. Now, you may see the Ravens game be like, what the heck is this guy talking about? But there's some really, really bright young talent out there. You know, Najee mentioned Reek Wollen and, and Devin Wilderspoon. You know, uh, two guys that are first and second year players, and then you've got some vets like Bobby. I mean, the great Bobby Wagner's out there. Can you sack you- the quarterback? Can you get after the quarterback? I, I ask this because Sam Howell is the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League. It's he's on track to break the single season record for the most sacks. It's gotten better uh, the last two games, but the Washington offensive line has been very susceptible, not good in pass blocking. Sam Howell has an issue of holding on to the ball too long. So if your front, without having the blitz, can get home, it's going to be a long day for Sam Howell in Washington. Yeah, and I they, they've been doing that a little bit better. They got an NFC East guy in there and Leonard Williams they traded for from the Giants at the deadline. One thing to watch for, for your own purposes, the Seahawks will like to occasionally send a guy like Jamal Adams or Devin Witherspoon on a nickel safety-type blitz. Watch for that occasionally because they mix it in at the most – unexpected time and it usually yields some pretty good results now don't get me wrong like the linebackers um and the edge rushers like boy mafe second year guy's really been getting to the quarterback he's got a sack in six straight games which is a team record at that point so they they get there in more traditional means but watch some of those secondary guys they're they're they fly to the backfield and oftentimes they can get a big sack and they're both big hitters, but also can force some turnovers there. So that's something I would watch if you're, if you're you watching the game from the commander's perspective Sunday, but that I think will be a big thing. Cause I, I like this defense and how they are that nice blend of vets and, and young guys. But I think you hit the nail on the head. If they can get that pressure, which I think they can, they've shown the track record of doing that most of the year. Um, that could be a difference maker in this game. And, and certainly for a defense that's, continually improved and pretty rock solid this year that might be the difference i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with i think it's gonna be something like a 20 to 17 type game or 21 16 type deal something along those lines what's the weather gonna be like on sunday in seattle rainy, rainy. <laughs> it'll be rainy it, here for the next five months yeah so is it, is it gonna be like downpour not not downpour but i i would uh it, I, it it's got the potential it's a few days out it's going to be raining like there's like a hundred percent chance mm. of rain. how that come if that's going to be heavy rain or if it's going to be the patented pacific northwest misty type stuff off elliott bay and puget sound that remains to be seen but i, I it's going to be raining i can promise you that much 
Who can run the ball better if it's going to be kind of like a mutter? Um, if you asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said the Hawks, but that run game has struggled the last couple I was weeks. just going to mention, you know, Brian Robertson Jr. And, you know, the the, the commanders have a very good run uh, running tandem, you know. So, I mean, you, you and, mentioned and, and I don't think they I don't think they use it enough, Najee. Like, I think they get yeah. pass happy with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, as you know, Eric Bieniemy came over from Kansas City. He's the new offensive coordinator for Washington. Um, I think sometimes – he tries to make Sam Howell into Patrick Mahomes, and, and that's not the case. Um, so they get pass happy, and that run-pass balance has been a big topic of discussion on sports radio and press conferences. And um, I think they get I think they get away from it too 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 much. I would like to see more balance. So uh, Brian Robinson Jr. He's a between the tackles type runner. Antonio Gibson. He's a Swiss Army knife. Can line him up in the slot. Can line him up in the backfield, a uh, good pass catching running back. So um, it could be a game where you rely on a Brian Robinson Jr. to grind out some uh, yards in the rain. You know, I, 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 you, you mentioned that, you know, Zach Charbonnet also, you yeah. know, I, I think also this could be like, when you mentioned the mutter, I think this would definitely be a slug, a slug fest of a game. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking score watch 14, 10. You know, I, I mean, wish it was a mutter. I wish they had natural grass down there instead of field turf. I'm yeah, just yeah, sidebar. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think um, – so if I was going to score prediction, um, give me Hawks 24 to uh, – 24-14. I think we're all on the same wavelength here. Yeah. Scotty, you're like, how do we do this? Do I send you some Seattle coffee if the Commanders win? Do I get some, like, crab cakes if they're <laughs> – Yeah, <laughs> yeah, do I don't know. I, I send you some Old Bay or something or some hey, – yeah. I I'll take that. We'll take that. We need, uh, we, yeah, we need a little uh, friendly wager here. I don't know. What's, uh, what, does Seattle have a famous dessert? Famous dessert. You know, the seafood's famous here. I don't think I can ship some salmon across the country, though. Uh, the coffee is the big thing here. Yeah, yeah I'm not um, a coffee drinker. Neither am I, though. Okay. Uh, send me coffee. We, 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 we like your Diet Cokes. We talk about this oh, in yeah, our drive. We love our Diet Cokes yeah. here. Where's my, I, don't, I don't have mine. I, uh, mine. I also love Diet Cokes, too. I don't have yeah. mine. Yeah. I, I'll, send you, I'll send you some cracking gear. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> just, just, send, just send me some winners. I need some cracking winners, even, even though I'm, I'm betting against them against Colorado. Sorry. There, nothing wrong, nothing with that. wrong with that. Um, well, you know what, Scott? We set it off the top. You're my guy. We go way back. Loved yeah. having you on. Love you, man. And I really appreciate your insight on this game. It's a big one, as we mentioned, for both sides. So we really appreciate yeah. your insight, my friend. Yeah, Scott, Love you, buddy. Nice meeting you, Najee. Yeah, you don't have to worry about beating the Giants. Believe me, as a Giants fan, you guys should have no trouble at all. Believe me. <laughs> we'll see. Any, any given Sunday, as they say, fellas. That's true. Amen to my that. football movie. Scott Abraham, sports director at WALA in D.C. We appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So I, I've mentioned it a few times in that Scott is just one of the best people I know. He's fantastic. I like Scott. He's a great guy. Um, he and I go way back, too, as we mentioned. So uh, what's cool about this game is you know, a couple of years ago, the Commanders and Seahawks played. And in when they played the Ravens, we can kind of talk a little bit about, hey, what can we expect from this game? What can we expect from this? And uh, he's never steered me wrong. So I, I think that we come out of that conversation kind of expecting a closer game. Um, I think all three of our predictions, something like that can happen. A Hawks close win seems to be the thing. Um, he seems to think from, you know, seeing the commanders up close and personal that it could be more of a, uh, maybe a little bit more margin of victory for Seattle. We'll see how it goes. They are six and a half point favorites. Um, That's a lot of points. I mean, I want to bring up, uh, we did a poll. I, I want before I do that though. Um, 
I just, something he said stood out to me. Now, I want to get your take on it. Sure. He mentioned the pressuring the quarterback because Sam Howell is the most sacked in the league. And we have something going on where we've seen Boye Mafe get six games with a sack. We've seen guys like Jordan Brooks get home and Bobby. And um, I think I, I said that to him. I'm going to go. I really think that's a game changer. How do you feel about that? I think it's a game changer. But in games like this, I mentioned, you know, the receivers for the commanders. And you also mentioned that sometimes the Hawks like to bring uh, Jamal Adams or a, or a Rick Willen off the edge, you know, the speed guy. I almost feel like that may not be. It will be a thing, but it may not be as prevalent this weekend because you have the speed of Jahad Dobson from Penn State on the outside, scary Terry McLaurin also, you know. I mean, and I mentioned Sam Howell. I I watch a lot of college football, as you you know, but I know that this guy can throw the ball like 70 yards. This guy is like – and. He, he's a bit like a Brett Favre. He can definitely, you know, move around a bunch, but he can definitely make some extra mistakes. But to your point, I believe that guys like Big Cat, guys like Boye Mafe, the guys who are on the front four or in front three and the linebackers too can get to get to him. I think they could be completely fine. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. I don't know what else to add to that. I think you kind of nailed it with the head on. I, oh, I, I just I just don't see a lot of I extra. Like <laughs> I just, I just do don't that see once. a rogue hand just show up out of nowhere. <laughs> I just don't see a lot of cornerback blitzes or any safety blitzes because of the speed on the outside for the commanders, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, I, I have a lot of I, – I, I don't want to say I know a lot about commanders. I don't know nearly as much as Scott. But as a Giants fan, I see him twice a year. We see him twice yeah. a year. And I'm just – I'm a little triggered with, with this uh, matchup, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> hey, I want – speaking of triggered, uh, maybe that's not the right word for it, but we saw that tough Seahawks loss, 37-3. Yeah. Second worst, as I mentioned a moment ago, in the Pete Carroll era by margin of victory. We did a poll. Uh, I want to see if you're fair or foul. If you're a, a loyal watcher, listener of this segment – um, thank it used you, to be hotter. Co- first of all, thank you. Yes. <laughs> it, we used to call it hot or cold, but now we're calling it fair or foul because there was confusion between me and you. Like, wait, yeah. is hot good or is hot bad? I, I don't like know. being cold sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I like so fair foul is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, fair ball is good. Foul is not unless it's pushing on defense, but we're going to say we're on offense. Right. But we brought this poll to you. And, you know, when it talks about the state of the Seahawks, is it time to be nervous? And leading that poll, you see the numbers if you're watching us on YouTube. The winner, you know, fairly certain was nervous. But then it was a close battle between panicked, unsure, and confident they'll be fine. Fair or foul? Are you nervous about the Seahawks right now? I'm not nervous or panicked. So foul. Yeah. That's a def- foul ball. It's not definitely a foul play. ball. You know, it's definitely not, it's <laughs> definitely not in it's definitely not in play. Look, here's the thing, guys. The the Ravens last week, the Ravens are a Super Bowl caliber team. They've been that for a long time. That core that they have with, you know, with Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson has only gotten better on offense and on defense. You know, they sacked the quarterback more than any other team in the league. So it's no surprise that they would do that to the Seahawks. You imagine the Seahawks would put up more than three points. Alas, they only put up three points. <laughs> um, that being said, you have to have confidence in a Pete Carroll-led team. There's no reason why we shouldn't. Second thing is, um, Pete Carroll is a fantastic coach, and he there's no way there's going to be two stickers back to back. the The Commanders are a little bit worse. Sorry, Scott, a lot worse <laughs> than the Ravens. And you know, at at the same time, you know, I I just I just don't see it happening. I have the confidence that the uh, the Hawks will eventually be fine, mostly because that the tide at the top of their division right now with the yeah. Niners. So. It may say more, that may say more about the Niners and the Seahawks right now, but it's good to be number one at least for the time being. Yeah, I, I'm going to go foul on that as well. I am not 
nervous or panicked, which were the two top uh, results in that poll. Am I concerned by the turnovers? I mentioned that stat of Gino throwing one interception in the first four and then six in the most previous four. Of course you're concerned. Pete Carroll said he's concerned. Do I think it's time to be panicked or be nervous? No. I think if you lose this Saturday, you move me to nervous. Right. I think if you if you lose something like three or four in a row, then I'm panicked. Right. But one loss to a, a really good Ravens team, even if it was ugly in every way, you're not going to panic me on that. You're not even going to make me nervous on that. Scott said it best. NFL, any given Sunday, anything can happen. They just got hit in the mouth. It happens. Um, but the thing, the, but my thing is, Nico, the commanders have a similar style. I mean, true. Scott mentioned that, you, that he wants to see more Brian Robertson Jr. He wants to see more Antonio Gibson. And I watched the game, the, the Hawks game, and, you know, at Uptown uh, Brewhouse with a couple of friends. And every time I looked up um, from my cheeseburger, I saw Gus Edwards streaking across the field. And I was just <laughs> like, what is going on, man? But so I, I, I get that. But I, I, I think the Hawks also need to be careful because. And, you know, we mentioned games that the Hawks can get run on a lot. I don't want to bring up this memory for Hawks fans last year. Do you remember the Raiders game last year? Yes. Josh Jacobs, 86 yarder in overtime to win it. And if that I was right on the sideline and I'm like, oh, gosh, is he gone? Yeah. And, and that wasn't his first. He, he no. ran for a lot of yards. That So if, I'm not saying they're susceptible, but that's why they bring in guys like Leonard Williams. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. That's why they bring in guys like Big Cat to kind of, you know secure the middle but i think it'll be an exciting game i'm excited to watch yeah i i think that they made a concerted effort to improve that defense and defensive line and i think it's getting better with every game but this is that next test yeah this is that test where it's like okay how did they have they improved what is the next thing they've done um we'll see and they better have improved because the niners are around around the corner with two games against them and the eagles i think in in and i brought that poll to folks sunday after they lost to the ravens Right now, I'm foul on that. If you lose this game, and, if, and say you were run off the field, which, again, we talked about. I don't see that happening. But then you you move me into one of those categories. Um, but I don't think the time is there just yet. I think they do bounce back. Um, right now, I'm in confident that they do bounce back. But that can be changed by one game. Would you be nervous or would you be panicked? If they, well, if they, if, lose. If they lose on like a last-second field goal, I'm nervous. If they get absolutely run off the field like the Ravens did them, I'm, I'm panicked. I think that's what this game is it is a swing game in every sense of the word right um and we talked about that at length with scotty and i think that this is you know a game in november are the ones they remember it's a college football saying by wow. the way yeah the ones in november are the I've ones they remember yeah remember that I, I will pun intended that was a really bad dad joke my son turned two so i'm like super dad this he's week. getting them all out before his son has a chance to roll his eyes out. oh my god that's probably <laughs> gonna happen like within the next year but uh i think that yeah, it's uh, it is one we will remember these games in November, starting with a couple ways. If you if you spiral, which I don't think will happen, this is when the season fell off the rails. Oh, yeah. If you come back from this, we look at that Ravens loss as a character building one, even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. You never want to lose. Okay, the way this team responded because here's what they've done, Najee. Week one, the Rams really took it to them in the second half to win thirty to thirteen. I mean, that was shocking. Yeah. What did they do? They won their next three. They responded. This team responds when their backs are against the wall. They respond when they need to the most. They lost to Cincinnati. That game was so frustrating. They bounced back with a couple wins. So that's why I'm confident they're going to bounce back from this loss to the Ravens. But if they don't, if for some reason they don't, that's when I think the narrative or the, the, the overall general feeling 
may start to shift just a little bit. I'm sure the Hawks are just ecstatic that they don't have to deal with a team like Cleveland or Baltimore again this week. I mean, the Commanders, yes, you know, the Commanders are four and five. You know, they're one step from 500, but they are not the Ravens. Right. And they are not the Niners, and they are not the Eagles. And then the following week, the Ra- the Rams, who also, that is another game. That's, a, a, as, as we mentioned, a get-back game because, you know, the Hawks – um, came up short against the Rams earlier this year, and definitely they're going to be ready to to play. But more importantly, beat the Commanders, beat the Commanders, beat the Commanders. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to make Nico nervous. so important. <laughs> don't make me nervous. So yeah. important. We both think they're going to win. I don't think either of us think they're going to cover. That's a big spread, six and a half. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so there you have it. Um, I do want to move on a little bit here because you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Uh, We could talk Seahawks to our blue in the face and we will most weeks because it is such a Huge time of year. It is also a huge time for year for Sounders and OL Rain, both in elimination games coming up this weekend. But I want to talk about our next fair or foul. And we're talking about the Mariners with this one because we know free agency is officially open. Um, this is something that will, the ones in November, the ones I remember is a football term, but the moves the Mariners make starting in November will determine all of 2024, maybe even into November of 2024. Yeah. So fair or foul, Najee, the Mariners will make a major splash this offseason. Doesn't have to be Otani, just a major splash this offseason. Fair or foul? Uh, He's deep in thought. I'm, I'm deep in thought because I I just feel like with the Mariners, I'm just kind of like, I, I'm saying the same thing this year, this offseason that I said last year. Please do something. <laughs> you know, do I think uh, they'll do something? Ugh, I don't know. Um I, I think they won't. I think that'd be definitely, definitely a foul. There's no, there's no way. I, I, I don't say there's no way, but I mean, I just don't expect it to happen. We want it to happen. We, I'm, I've been talking to, I've been hoping that Shohei Otani, this podcast finds his way to Shohei Otani somehow. Be amazing. And then, Shohei, come on the come show. On, come on the show. You're just down there in camp, man. Come on the show. Um, and and I love, and that would be the biggest thing, you know. Uh, the thing is what the Mariners need, I guess, are bats. And there's just not a lot of them really. I mean, unless it's Cody Bellinger, I just, I I just don't see a lot of like major and the pitching staff is super solid. First of all, yeah, there's more pitchers out there than hitters. Believe me. Um, I just don't see it happening. What do you think? I'm going to be before. Okay. I'm going to give you my thought. I'm going to ask you a question and put you on the spot, man. Put me on the spot. Um, I'm going to say fair, but I'm only about 54% confident in that. Wow. Oh, sorry. I didn't wow. go there. Did I? Wow. Um, no, but I, I'm only about half confident on that. And I just, that number pops in your head nowadays. Right. You hit the nail on the head that there's limited bats and certainly bats DH spot are, are most definitely a position of need. What makes me say I'm fair on that is the standpoint of they have to do something. They have to do something because and Jerry DePoto said it during that infamous end of the season press conference. And, and let me backtrack to the 54% thing. I really do think his, what DePoto was trying to say that they have built a team that's going to be a contender for a long time is, a, is accurate. And it's a sound logic. The problem is you, you say that it's, you know, Hey, be a little more patient and Hey, 
you know, the 54% thing, the 54% thing is actually fine. Like if the stats real, I don't, you know, it's, it's fine. It was just the delivery and that thing. So I wanted to clear that up. I don't, when I say that it's not taking a jab at the front office, I actually think they've built something pretty good here that I think will be a playoff team again in 2024. However, I think this is a fair statement that they will make a big move this off season because I think you have to, you have to be Jerry DePoto admitted um, I went on my little sidetrack ran a second ago. He admitted that they missed on those signings last year. They The one thing, the big move that semi worked was Teoscar Hernandez, and he did not have a typical Teoscar year, and he's not coming to Seattle, back to Seattle because of it. But, but that was, was a trade. That was a trade. But he was great, though. Yeah, he did all right, and that's the thing. So the other signings, the Cooper, you know, they traded for Cooper Hummel. They signed Tommy LaStella um, though, and A.J. Pollock. Those moves just did not work, No, and he admitted that. And so because of that press conference and the outcry after it, um, I think there is extra pressure on this organization to make the move they have to and make it something big, something that isn't, let's take a flyer on this guy. This guy could really fit into something we do. Um, Now, that can be trade or free agency. And before I get to my take on that, I want to ask you something, Najee. Sure. Plethora of arms starting. And this is something Justin Hollander, the GM, said, listen, you can never have too much pitching, and he's spot on with that. Think about the injuries this past year for the Mariners. Marco Gonzalez, Robbie Ray out for the year. Emerson Hancock came out, you know, made a start, and we thought he looked great, and then he was out for the year. Right. You know, guys like Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, if everything went according to the script, weren't supposed to be starting this year, but they did, and they did really well. So you go into 2024 with Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. Um, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller. That's five right there. Um, but then you've got Marco Gonzalez. He should be ready for opening day is the latest, barring any setback. Robbie Ray is going to be out for some time still. He's not going to be able to come back until after the All-Star break. So you're talking August for Robbie. So that's – and then Emerson Hancock should be okay too. That's eight guys who started games for you and that have starter potential. Do you – in a world where we saw three guys lost for the season – and we know starting pitching is at a premium in a pitcher-friendly ballpark like T-Mobile Park. Najee, do you move one of those arms to get a proven big-time bat? Absolutely. You do? Absolutely. Okay. Here, here's here's the thing. And you mentioned Jerry DePoto said we're building a contender. They built a contender. The contender yeah. They're contenders. The, there's a big difference between building a contender and building a winner, though. Right. I mean, you could – I mean – they made the playoffs last year, but that was really about it. No playoffs in the front this year. We look at what – here's the thing. They can go in a multitude of different ways, though. We look at what the Rangers did. They were in the World Series, by the way, unfortunately. Um, and they spent a lot of money on pitching. And, yes, Scherzer got hurt. DeGrom got yeah. hurt. But also, the best they added led them to the World Series, you know? I, right. I, and I, I think when you are – I mean, we have a lot of pitching, and a lot of, and a lot of teams need pitching, believe, believe me or not. Uh, believe it, believe it, believe it. Be- well, the belief signs off believe, screen. Believe it, but there's a belief <laughs> sign over this shoulder. There you go. That's what I was looking at. I saw it. And I was like, believe it. Um, you need a bat. I, yeah. I said that at the end of last year too. I mean, and an ECB guy. I mean, JD Martinez is, is getting older, but we need some guy who maybe the opposing pitchers are afraid of. Yeah, you know, someone who can who's gonna. You know, yeah, hit 280, but also hit 40 bombs and hit 131 yeah. RBIs. That's exactly what, and I'm not t- just talking about, and those sound like Julio Rodriguez numbers. Actually, his average is way higher. You need someone who can sit in that five spot and that four spot who can just yam the ball, first yeah. of all, someone to be avoided. And I'm not saying you're going to find an Aaron Judge out there. 
You're not. What if, they, what if Aaron Judge got traded to the Mariners? It's not, it's not <laughs> happening. It's not happening. I'm just well, saying. Well, yeah, but and that's why I'm kind of like looking for a guy like Otani, you know, That'd or, be great. or even Bellinger, who can, who, who's a very, who's a great hitter, you know. Um, I, I, it's unfortunate that Oscar's not exactly coming back next year, but I know a lot of people who are just, I mean, I, for a while there, especially at the end, he was carrying the offense. It right. seems like you know, he when he heats up, he heats up. He, he he heats up, and I I I like the Mariners pitching, and I think even if they get rid of of the trade one guy out of you know the seven that you mentioned oh as you mentioned robbie way ray i know a couple people who are mariners fans who wouldn't be mind if he wouldn't mind if he no longer played for the mariners believe me i yeah and i'm and i'm, I'm foul on that even though it's not fair to foul i think right. he's i think when he comes back he will be back in and, the form that made him a scion winner and he was so good in yeah. most of 2022 yeah and i agree with that i think he but you're right there's a lot of there's, there's a, a lot of folks that say that yeah um what do you think well, I think this in a perfect world, you you're able to sign. Okay, Shohei is the pipe dream. Cody Bellinger is not so much a pipe dream. It'd be great if you could sign him. JD Martinez, even those are all guys that are that could feasibly be signed by your team, and then you can hang on to that pitching. Imagine it in some perfect world where you got two of those three. It'd be amazing. But reality is that's probably not going to happen. As wonderful as it would be, um, I just. It's tough for me to think about giving up one of those arms, seeing what happened in 2023. Yeah, yeah. But knowing that this team was offensive starved, offensively starved for so much of the year, that was um and you know what that does? That puts pressure on the pitchers. It puts too much pressure on the pitchers, honestly. I mean, yeah. if they have to win a game one zero, if they have to basically throw a shutout every every week that's oh every day that's not gonna happen no how many games do they lose two to one and I mean, one yeah. nothing or three yeah. two and this is the same <clears throat> deal that i was talking about last year you know when yeah. they actually did make the playoffs was like okay you sat in an 18 inning game against houston uh to lose that last game in seattle trust me i don't have to bring this up you guys remember it um and it was very a low scoring game but scoreless for a long time sure so, let uh, me let me let me be a little more down the hypothetical wormhole here, and I don't want to go much further ooh, than this because Nico's got his tin hat on, guys. <laughs> um, I would only be okay giving up one of those arms, say like a Brian Wu or Bryce Miller, and I I don't like giving up either of those guys because I think they're boy oh boy to just step to basically Wu came from Double A. Yeah, and to step in the way he and Bryce Miller did as rookies, and they just had it from yeah. day one. Scott Service raved about specifically Miller just being this guy from Texas who's like the moment's not too big. He just came in and pitched. There's something to be said for guys who can do that. Bryce would just go in there and throw his fastball, try to hit this thing, and most often teams couldn't. So I don't even like to entertain the idea of trading for one of them. I, but I, I think it's important in the event the Mariners do that, which I don't think they will, given the past comments about the value of never having too many arms. The only scenario I'm okay with them giving up one of those arms is in a scenario where they are able to get a generational bat. Juan Soto from San Diego rumored to be on the trading block. I'm okay. I would only be okay with it if they were, that was part of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Are you expecting any, I mean, we've been talking a lot of trades and we know there's, you know, not a lot of bats available in free agency. Um, is if it's the Mariners are going to make a move, you're saying it has to come from a trade, almost, right? Well, and I, I think that Plan A is Shohei, Plan B is one of or both uh, Cody Bellinger and JD Martinez. I think they can get one of those three, right. and and that and that would be impactful. And then to maybe the point where you can make some supplemental signings, or maybe you know some uh, trades for other folks that are. Uh, maybe doesn't include one of your your major arms. They're also going to try and sign some bullpen help. Um, they they had some real uh, 
they had some nice saves down the stretch after they traded Paul Seawald, but there was also a feeling of that there were, there was, they were figuring it out. And Andres Munoz obviously is that guy in that scenario, but you know, we'll see how he looks. Right. I, I think they'll try to, but regardless of what we're talking about closers, you know, they're going to try and get some high leverage arms. I mean, Taylor Salcedo, Justin Topa worked out really well. I think they're going to try and get another bullpen arm, but obviously the, the primary goal and focus is unquestionably uh, the offense. You got to score points, and you got to and you, you got to you got to you got to get runs on the board. And I think if you get Bellinger and or Martinez problem solved, it's not going to be easy to get that done. Maybe one of them. Maybe one of them. I just think back at the best teams in the in the in baseball last year, the Rangers. I just looked at their lineup; just a lot home runs everywhere. And I think a couple episodes episodes ago, when we were talking about Mariners playoff chances, I brought up a great example of the Atlanta Braves. I mean, how many people on that team can hit? Who ended up hitting at least ten home runs? A lot of people hit more than that, but I just, I just, I just don't see that now. Now, I like see... when we actually disagree on something. Yeah, because I, I just like in respectful terms. Respectful terms, yes, of course. I just, but to go back, I just don't. Here's here's my thing: if the Mariners go this offseason without trading for or signing a big bat. Going into next year, you then have to deal with the Rangers and Astros again. Now, the Astros are also very difficult to deal with, as we know, but the Rangers are way better than them. I wouldn't say way better. Yeah. But they're definitely significantly better. And, I mean, I, I just I, – I, I don't want to say, be saying the same thing, you know, next year that I'm saying now and that I said last year. You know, we just we, more bats, more bats, more bats, more home runs, honestly, yeah. seriously. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what I, happens. Hope they, I hope they do it. Um whether you're skeptical or not on that, I think either side is fair in that argument right. because you have last year and you have kind of the track record. But also, I think there is a track record that they've made some moves before. They went out and got Robbie Ray for a hundred plus million dollars in free agency a couple of years ago. Right. Um. They, you know, the money is there. And Jerry Depoto saying, now listen, they've got to pay some guys in arbitration, and they may try to long term lock up some guys like Logan Gilbert and Cal Raleigh. I really would like them to do it to Cal Raleigh because I think he's just so rare at catcher. And I hope they bring back my buddy Tom Murphy to play catcher with him because Tom is a, is a leader in every way too. So my point in saying that is there's some in-house deals they have to make, but then I do think they, I think they have to, I don't think there's an alternative. No. They have to attack for agents. Yeah. They just, they, there's something they have to get over the hump. Whether yeah. or not they do is where we're kind of, well, yeah. and, well, and you know, one thing is the whole Shohei Otani signing would be a major deal because he can pitch and hit like no one else can, apparently. <laughs> you know, I mean, and then when you add that extra pitcher or the person who can pitch very well, then maybe you look at maybe just shoring up the offense even more by moving up. I've got my GM hat on right now. Don't listen <laughs> to me right now. Shore up that offense uh, by moving someone like like Wu or, or, or Miller, maybe. So who knows? Um, I'm excited for the Mariners next year. I, I just, am too. I, or this coming year. I just want to see something <laughs> we were just a little bit in a good way spoiled where you had this stretch of a few months where you had the seahawks the you know ol rain the kraken and the mariners all making the playoffs and i would just like to see that again yeah. that's my new year's wish for 2024 even if we still got about a month and a half left in this month the resolutions come early new, from, from this they have to yeah. Najee, that was fun my friend that was great yeah, we uh, will join you next week at this time. Uh, again, special shout out and thank you to Scott Abraham, sports director at WJLA, for that commander's preview. Also, special shout out to Bill Fesh, the Como operations manager, who helped us bring Scott on board for this Hold call. It down, Bill. I can see him in like a weird screen that you can't see. He's, he's <laughs> watching us right now. Also, um, go Huskies, by the way. And go dogs. Um, 
I, Utah is going to be tough. I think I think the Huskies win something like 28, 22, or 21, something like that. Please, God, play some defense. Yeah, I think uh, – <laughs> and I, I implore you to check out Comanews.com. We have a really uh, heartwarming story, but born out of heartbreak with Zion uh, Tupuola Fatui, lost his father, uh, played with a heavy heart, and told me that he felt like his dad was there when he got the strip sack on Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams is a star, and he's like – you know, Caleb doesn't drop that ball in most plays, but he did on that one. Um, it's really moving stuff. Um, make sure you check it out on uh, Nico Sports Zone page at comonews.com. Naji, thank you. Nico, thank you. All of you, thanks for listening and watching. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.